from the author of the book by the same name. It's the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast with Mark McRae. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Today's episode will be part two of the music episode. It'll be a continuation of us talking about all the great music on Saturday morning television. This is Mark Boogie Down BX McRae, along with Dan Redondo Beach Clink. Uh, how you doing, Mark? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Let's uh, continue this thing. We sort of left off at the end of the 1970s with the uh, Bay City Rollers. They hooked up with Sid and Marty Croft doing the whole, uh, well, the Sid and Marty Croft thing. Right, the the Croft Superstar Hour. Right. And and that was part of the trend, you know, like companies like Hanna-Barbera and Filmation and Rankin-Bass, you know, either they would create musical groups on their own or they would bring in legitimate groups like Rick Springfield or the Bay City Rollers to be part of their Saturday morning uh, series. Right. And there's a whole lineage through the 70s of that kind of that music aesthetic. But now we get into an era where all of that is kind of blown away. The, the whole the whole idea really transforms. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So just the fact that in the 80s, the whole MTV era, music videos became king. I mean, I just remember just anticipating when my favorite artists would release their latest video or I would see their latest video. Not only were these videos being shown on MTV, you know, a lot of other networks also had their own video uh, programming as well. Yeah, like uh, I remember, I think it was called Night Tracks. That was uh, like a syndicated block, uh, one hour block of videos. Of what are the top videos were that would show on, you know, local affiliate stations, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, right. Saturdays, Fridays and whatnot. Music videos were, that was it, man. It was everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It's, yeah. And, and it, and it, and it came to our cartoons. Right. Right. And so I think one of the first uh, music producers to take advantage of this was Deke Enterprises with a program called Kid Video that came out right. around 1984 and it was an experimental se- experimental series with really high production values you know um there wasn't <laughs> there really wasn't much in terms of plot but there was a lot of uh, great music on this series right right what what no what's what's kid video that that almost sounds like a I don't know, like a superhero with like an arm for, but instead of the arm being a gun, it's like a VCR maybe, or how, what was, what was the general premise of this? <laughs> yeah, it was just, um, it was a real band and, uh, you know, sometimes the band would be animated and they would have adventures like in, um, different dimensions and play really good music in between all of that. The series was uh, pretty successful. So in between the adventuring, they would all, what, break break to, to crank out some tunes. Right, exactly. And there would be a very stylish MTV-type video that would play within the series. With the big hair and the lip gloss and all that, I'm sure. Now, if we're talking about the MTV era, if we're talking about kid-focused programming, ooh, I got a treat for all of you. Kids Incorporated. Go to wow. YouTube. 
Dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, go to YouTube right now, type in Kids Incorporated, type in uh, Incorporated, the entire word. You try like INC dot, it's, it's going to tell you that you're, you made it all up in your head and you were the only one that, that watched this show's live action. It was a bunch of kids that uh, seemed to, that, that all inhabited this, uh, like, 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 it was like a nightclub, but for kids, you know, it was like, take the best vibe of like an 80s roller rink and combined it with an arcade and then get rid of the video games and the roller skating and just leave the rock and roll and the snack bar. Uh, and wow. you've got, you have the setting for kids incorporated. Yeah. No adults ever. And you know, it, it, the way you describe kid video, it's uh it's, it's very similar. Uh, although there's no like interdimensional travel, there are like talking bicycles <laughs> and I think some aliens show up. Right. And there's always like a... Wow. Yeah, yeah. And there's almost like this interpersonal morality tale that happens, uh, stuff that uh, that teen kids were dealing with, like peer pressure or or uh, or even child abuse, all the way to like, you know, crushing on your friend. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. sounds like uh, Josie and the Pussycats, you know, that were traveling around the world uh, unescorted. They should have had adults with them. And, exactly what it was, yeah. And, and a combination of Fat Alberts, you know, where... Uh, there's some type of morality tale, but I have to be honest with you, man. I missed the show completely. Kids Incorporated. Oh, dude, I I only had vague memories of it. In fact, coming into this episode to record it right now, I had a very <laughs> difficult time finding it on the internet, mm. and so I thought that I would just go off of that, like just just based on like, did Dan hit his head and make this up? Maybe. <laughs> but then like an hour before we started recording, I actually went to YouTube instead of typing in kids Inc, which I guess I also remember, which was incorrect. I just typed in kids incorporated and man, YouTube exploded with everything you would ever want to know about, about this show. And then uh, the internet, Google, everything right. was right there. Jennifer Love Hewitt used to be on this show. Oh my uh, gosh. Wow. Mario, Mario, uh, what's his name? Uh, used to be on Saved by the Bell. Mario uh, Lopez. Oh, wow. Was, uh, okay. He was like a drummer. He, I didn't think he had any speaking lines. He right. was just in the background as the drummer. Well, that's pretty uh, cool because he did drumming on uh, Saved by the Bell too. Because like in the did. later seasons of Saved by the Bell, he had, um, they were, there was a band called the uh, Zack Attack, I believe. And oh, Mario was back there drumming as well. You know, now I, I'm I'm assuming that some of those members in the Zack attack were faking it. But Mario yeah. was definitely back there playing the drums for real. You know, Zack was a total sociopath. But as the show goes on, <laughs> you begin. You, it's like, OK, everybody fool me once. Shame on shame on me. Fool me. You know, uh, episode 12, season five, uh -huh. you know. Shame on you. Or you get what I'm saying. Right, um, right, right. I hear you. The whole thing really did have like a, a Saved by the Bell aesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, Fer Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. Wow. Was, uh, <laughs> I just found all this out. It sounded like it should have been a, a lot more successful with all those names in it. But sometimes, you know, you can have all the talent in the world and people are just not interested in watching. Well, it actually, it, it turns out it, it kind of might have been. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it ran on syndication. Between right. Uh, right. September of '84 through May of '86, oh, okay. but then, but then the Disney Channel picked it up, and it ran on the Disney Channel from '86 all the way to '94. What? No, that's real. That's real, and dude. And they kept cranking out reruns until May of '96. Oh, on wow! The Disney Channel. Hold like, up a second. Wait a minute. So were there new episodes, or they just like what? When you said when they cranked out reruns, you mean that they didn't make any new, new episodes? Check it out. 
so it was it was 84 to 86 the right. show was in syndication and that's right. when i remember watching it i remember right. hiding from the neighbor kids and my brothers because i didn't want to be made fun of uh, everybody go check out the show and then just apply yeah. that to a kind of a small town mid 80s mentality you'll, you'll probably you'll probably pick up what i'm dropping there oh, i got you uh, adored mm. the show mm-hmm. uh, and then but then from 86 through 94 they continued making new episodes but it's it went from syndication to the disney channel oh my gosh is it the same cast or there's new cast members probably? uh the cast uh, wikipedia actually gives an entire an exhaustive list of the cast and the hour the the years and se- uh seasons in which they were involved in the show again it this one really got past me i had no idea that that show was on and that it ran that long that's pretty well, huge i didn't know it ran that long either uh, and then just to wrap that up it was the the disney channel canceled the show uh, mm-hmm. or or should i say it stopped producing new episodes in 94 right but they continued rerunning it into 96 got it Got it. Yeah. Wow. So the show had a presence on television yeah, for yeah. 12 years. Let's move on. Let's move on. So let's go to Jim from 1985. It was syndicated and... Uh... Jim, truly outrageous. <laughs> truly, truly, truly outrageous. Jim. <laughs> no one okay. else is the same. Jim is my name. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Now, Jim shows up and just it almost is like the quintessential... 80s MTV era expression in children's television. I mean, I fight, I fight anyone to challenge to, to tell me otherwise. It was like the MTV era for kids. I mean, it totally that, was totally the way that it was shot and the fact that uh, it, it had an interesting storyline. Sure, it was sure. a, a girl that had a sort of a dual identity. It was almost like a precursor to Hannah Montana, where you have this girl who has a regular life as Jerrica Benton, and then at nighttime, right. she becomes She's, Jem. Right. It, it almost bridges the gap between superhero and Hannah Montana. Yeah. You know huh. what I mean? Cause, cause you know, Jim had some villains first. I want to, I want to talk about that intro Man. and they used to, they used to dude. I mean, they would run that intro as the commercial, at least, you know, they would like a condensed version, right? You'd be, you'd be watching, uh, like, uh, the snorks would be on or Heathcliff or something mm-hmm. after school. Then all of a sudden you'd hear that Jim. And it was almost like they did it at what? Like 24 frames. That, right. that intro? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and it also looks like there was some um, early um, computer or digital animation yeah. in that open. But it was uh, right. It was definitely uh, rotoscoped, some of the scenes. And right. back in those days, they didn't really give credit to, who, to the people who would direct the open. But right. man, oh man, it's, it's like one of the best animation opens from the 80s, for Has sure. Has to be. Has yeah. to be. And yeah. I also like the fact that Jem was sort of in the sea of dude shows. Oh, it was like right. Jem and G.I. Joe, the American Hero, and Transformers, right. and He-Man, and Thundercats. Right. And Jem was duking it out with all these action superhero, you know, really macho series and coming out on top. Like her only ally may have been Rainbow Bright. Right, you know? right, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. I was thinking about Rainbow Bright as well. Yeah, she was definitely in the mix right. as well. But so, like, Jem was able to hold her own. I think that uh, they had a really great creative team behind that series. It was smart because, you know, music videos were hot. MTV was hot. So why not incorporate something like that includes all that creativity in a kid's right. show? 
that energy. Right. That aesthetic, that feeling of, wow, you mm-hmm. know, power rock 80s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Quick, quick snippets. And they add, I love it, uh, they're, they're, uh, the villains were the Misfits, which was another band. Like oh, these punk, yeah. These, these right, punk rock right. girls that all, they, they all looked like, uh, like they were cosplaying as Motley Crue. <laughs> You know, and their music was hard and it was edgy and it was, yeah. it was screaming in your face. And I, I mean, right. as I got older, yeah, I think uh, I might be a Misfits fan personally yeah. or, or, or the Misfits, not to be confused right. with a punk property. But yeah, well, that's that's one of the other cool things about the open. The Misfits are in the open, too, and they're singing their their hearts out as well. And you're still grooving to their sound. No, that's real. Know, that's real. You know, they're the bad guys. Right, right. 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 And, they and had merit musically. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, you kind of you kind of digging them too. So you know, because like me personally, sometimes I you know I watch a He-Man episode. A lot of times I'm rooting for Skeletor because he's the most right. interesting <laughs> character. Now, would I want Skeletor in my world tearing things up? Probably not. But to watch him yeah. on TV, he's hilarious. Yeah. The same goes for the Misfits. The same goes from for Alexandra from Josie and the Pussycats. She was the right. funniest one. She could roast anyone on the show, and that's why I watched. And so, you know, having the misfits there is is uh, was you know a great plot device as well that really worked great for Jim. Right. I mean, again, there was a superhero element with her dual identity, mm-hmm. and you know, and, you know, like like uh, Jer- was it Jerica. Jerrica, yeah. God, what an 80. Who the hell names their kid Jerrica? (laughs) Special last name Benton. My God. I know. Privilege. Well, it, it kind of flows, right? Right? No, right? yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, it could have been, it could have been, um, I guess if the show came out today, her name would be Madison. <laughs> oh, no, that's real. That's total. Dude, yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, moving along. So, Jerrica Benton would do like 90% of the lifting on a mystery. Right. And and maybe fall short. And then, yeah, the last 10% would be picked up by Jem, her mm-hmm. alter ego, who would uh, kind of ex machina save the day, solve all, solve the issue, and, uh, and rock us into the credits. Right. There is also a really cool Jem episode called Journey Through Time or Journey Back to Time, where they meet up with uh, rock legend Jimi Hendrix. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? It's pretty cool. Jimi Hendrix influence shows up on Saturday morning a lot. I mean, I feel like Pete Jones from the Hardy Boys cartoon that we kind of talked about the Hardy Boys a little bit in part one of the episode. I feel like he was influenced by Jimi Hendrix. The character Pete Jones was influenced by Jimi Hendrix as this African-American rocker, as well as... And Pete Jones is kind of like a combo of Jimi Hendrix and Sly from Sly and the Family Stone. Right. You know? Okay. Sure. So I'm not surprised that Jim also was able to hook up with someone that has a musical legacy like Jimi Hendrix. I think that's pretty cool. Damn. Wow. I'm going to have to go back. I, I, I got some watching to do, I guess. Yeah. Got some, got some I, rewatching. I'm pretty sure it's called Journey Through Time. Okay, cool. I'll find that. I mean, we have the whole series on DVD. My wife oh. picked it up a couple of years ago. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're good to go on our gem. We're, okay. we're gem, gem, gem rich. Gem yeah, rich, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But that's another show, too. You talk about uh, you didn't necessarily go bragging to your friends that you're watching gem if, if you're a dude. You know? no, you, no, you hid. You hid in your bedroom. You closed the door. 
you know, you waited for the older brother and the little brother to to go away. Uh-huh. And yeah, and you didn't get to watch every episode because sometimes there would be other, you know, like dude kids around. Right. You know, right. And you don't want to you can't you can't you can't gem out with, with around a bunch of dude kids. Right. Well, some years ago at San Diego Comic-Con, maybe it was the 25th anniversary of Gem, okay. Hasbro had issued a new Gem doll. It was going for retail around $110 or something crazy like that. Oh, no, maybe it was $125, I feel. It was like a nice, solid number, $125. And so you had to, you know, buy a ticket at Comic-Con. Then you had to get another ticket to to get online in order to purchase the doll. I wasn't there, but I had colleagues that were there. And they told me that people were sleeping on the convention floor so they would not lose their space. And I have, there's a, a guy that works at my job that's a huge gem fan. And, and I said to him, are you going to buy the doll? And he goes, Mark, I would love to, but you know, $125, you know, I got groceries to buy and rent to pay. <laughs> right. Right. I, as much as I want to reach out and hug my seven year old self right. with, with a brand new gem doll. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's what you got to tell your inner kid. Shut up. No, we're not buying it. Yeah. No, no, you can't have an advance on your allowance. We're not put the credit card away. (laughs) And of course, two days later, after the dolls sold, they were selling on eBay for $300, $350. So, you know, and I understand that there are people that want to flip something that everyone wants. I get it. But, you know, I'm thinking, wow, that's like 10 or 20 dolls that someone could have bought that really would have appreciated it you know yeah like 10 20 other people that would be happy instead of this one guy uh sitting there double tripling or girl right you know i've i've been that schmuck mark i'm just gonna admit it i've i'll say no more i'll say no more now but can i tell you this i tell you this uh, yes, we should get mad at the person on the other end stealing that experience from so many other people. At the same time, you know, that person has a pretty miserable existence, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> as much I'm as it's sure. like, I got groceries, so I'm not going to pay $125 for a gym doll. You got that other, this poor bastard who's like, oh, I got groceries. I need to invest $1,200 in 20 gym dolls so I can flip that into, you know, $3,000 because I got groceries. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what yeah, I do. That's a, that's a really good point, you know? That's a really good Cause maybe, point. Because maybe I didn't graduate high school, but I'm good at eBay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So the other little side story with Jim, supposedly the the Mattel people found out that uh, this new doll was coming out and it was going to be a rock band. And they found out somehow. I'm not going to go into the background of how they did spying. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> corporate espionage. <laughs> right. And they rushed Barbie and the Rockers to market before Jim oh. could Whoa. go to market. Yeah. So Barbie and the Rockers exists because of Jim. That's right. Because they were trying to, and, and beating Jim to market. Yes. I wonder how much damage that did to Jim's credibility in terms mm. of perception. I mean, but 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 think about it though. If 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 I was a true Jim fan, I don't know. I think I might have waited for that Jim doll to come out. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I'm just real. Saying. That's real. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Did you ever wonder why there are twenty-four hour kid networks? 
In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang with the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Kids Incorporated. For me, I must have moved on pretty quickly, I guess. Maybe they moved around its time slot. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we didn't really have Disney Channel in the 80s. And by the time we got it in the 90s, I probably filed it as as Mickey Mouse Club because they also right. brought the Mickey Mouse Club back like early 90s. I remember Channel. that. I remember them bringing it back because I was very curious to see how they were going to reboot the, the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, same here. They had the one guy that did the special effects. Like, remember the blonde guy did special effects no. or sound effects? I mean, he did. He did like sound. He was. He was like. He was like that guy from uh, Police Academy, but like whiter than white. Oh, okay, okay. I had no. He was like. I, I, he was like the one grown up in the cast. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't recall. I do remember watching it, but I don't remember specific cast members from. The Mickey Mouse okay. Club, but I guess it was more my demographic. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually watched the old Mickey Mouse Club when they syndicated that. You know, the one from okay. the nineteen fifties, the one with Annette right. Funicello. Um, right. And I and I was shocked because I became a fan. You know, I thought it was going to be super corny, and right. I got I didn't get caught up in the singing and dancing of it. They started running like, you know, like these little teenage soap operas. There was one called Spinning Marty. And then Annette sure. had, had her own little spinoff. And there were, you know, it was pretty interesting stories. And, uh, right. I, you know, again, I wasn't like like you. I wasn't outside bragging to people. Hey, everybody, I'm watching the Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> I showed exactly. that was, <laughs> I showed that was exactly. made in the 1950s. And I'm a grown person. And why am I watching this? You know, but anyway, I, I totally get what you're saying. But but moving on, moving on. So moving Kids, on. Kids Incorporated. So here's the thing. One of the funniest things you told me about Kids Incorporated that I have to get in is that these teenagers are at a club at night with, yep. with apparently no adult supervision. And yep. they're there every night and the parents yep. are not concerned. And right. I feel like whoever created the show, maybe this was a fantasy in their head when they were teenagers that they wish that they can go to a club every night and it'll be cool. And it sort of reminds me of the Archies a little bit. Instead of the kids being in a chocolate shop during the daytime, someone said, let's just put the Archies in a nightclub at night and it's a really cool place where really cool things happen and these kids have a gig every night. And, right. you know, the weird thing is, back in the day, a lot of nightclubs would open up their doors to teenagers for a one-night-only or once-a-month-only type of right. gig. Right. But no alcohol was served. And right. it was like once a month because kids don't have money and these club owners will probably go out of business. But it was a good way to cultivate the crowd coming in. Right. Because these teenagers will one day be future adults and you'd want them to come back to your club when they are adults and to be able to, you know, buy drinks and have a good time and enjoy themselves. So I kind of like it's, it. It's been a good member of the community. Right. You know, just right. Saying, yeah, we're a nightclub, but you know, and the kids too. And right. Stuff. Right. And yeah. Don't you run know. us out of town, please. Right. Yeah. So you got to, you know, you know, you want to cultivate your, the community and cultivate your audience. And, but it is, it sounds like a wonderful fantasy. It sounds like a wonderful fantasy. I mean, even when I was a teenager, 
I mean, there were parties every weekend, and sometimes there were live bands, and sometimes there were DJs on the wheels of steel, you know, but not during the weeknights, <laughs> and definitely not every night, but I like the idea of it, and I guess audiences loved it too, because, you know, thank you, Wikipedia, it ran a long, long, 12, long time. Yeah. No, that's that's real. That's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the 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 trope of of living in a in a parentless world in a in a, in, a, in a world devoid of of adults, right? You know, right. That's that's a theme you see going all the way back to you know. I mean, hell, Josie and the Pussycats, right? Or Scooby Doo. I mean, Scooby Doo. They you know they mentioned in in the first episode they mentioned that those kids were in high school and then they never mentioned it again because they and were they never mentioned it again driving around unescorted by adults. Right. You know, I right. mean, it would have taken the edge off the show. Adults showed up. I mean, hell, look at uh, you know you know other genres like Dungeons and Dragons. You know, right. that's a bunch of kids, a bunch of kids, no grownups, life right. and death. <laughs> the dungeon master was there, but he wasn't much. F- <laughs> wasn't much help just giving them clues that they had to figure out <laughs> and just... no he was yeah dungeon master was like a cross between yoda and and uh you know your your uncle right uh, the, the the one the one that uh, doesn't show up so often the one that never had kids right uh, the one that uh, but see he doesn't show up for thanksgiving either right the you cool know, he's uncle. the one like when you're he's he, no the cool uncle the cool uncle that once you become an adult you're like Wow, he's gonna die. Like he, he, this guy's not doing so good. This guy lives off a steady diet of beer, right? <laughs> you know, and and Marvel Reds, right? Oh my gosh! But you know, but yeah, I mean, but you know, throw some Yoda in that. You got Dungeon Master, I suppose. Right, yeah. right. But again, <laughs> no. kids in danger. You know, yeah. Right. Um, or even if you want to even make a bigger joke of it, there is a really funny Batman episode, uh, the first Batman series from 1968. Uh, the filmation version where Catwoman has taken up a kid's sidekick and Robin makes a crack to Batman. Like, what is Catwoman doing working with a kid? And Batman turns to Robin and says, well, she could say the same thing about us. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought it was, wow. I said, that was just brilliant. Whoever wrote that line in, because again, (laughs) you know, these days, if you're running around, jumping off of rooftops and fighting crime with some kid, you would be locked up. The That's state child endangerment. Yeah, exactly. That's... Right. <laughs> oh, my you know. gosh. Wow, yeah. we really got off topic. But, uh... No, we kind of did. I'll, I'll, I'll see if it's any good in post. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll right. see if there's anything worth it there. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. Forms. I was at Chick-fil-A this morning and I was ordering sandwiches and uh, you know the person says Madison will be taking your order and I'm like of course she will <laughs> of course she will of course of course <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> uh, hey everyone you didn't think we were going to burn through the entirety of the 1980s in just 25 minutes, did you? Join us next time as Alvin, Simon, and Theodore return in part three 
of Saturday Morning Musical Renaissance. I'm Dan Klink, on behalf of Mark McRae, thank you for listening to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off.